That is one big pile of shit. Hello and welcome to the Movie Mouthfuls podcast, a movie podcast with zero table manners. Each episode we'll be tucking into movies and the odd television show to chow down on some of the most iconic cinematic cuisine scenes in cinema history, as well as just about everything else we can get our hands on. Yet again, I'm Jordan, the bloke trying to be known as the film fella online, and as always I'm joined by the UK's number one competitive eater, it's Beer Meets Food! Guess who's back? (laughs) Back again. The, the podcast that was 65 million years in the making. Oh, you've been rehearsing that one, haven't you? Yeah. Oh, that's a, good, that's a good, good tagline. I like it. Four, four weeks in a row. Feels good to be back. It's weird, isn't it? I, 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 every, every week I'm like, we're, we're still doing this. I can't believe it. This level of consistency is not alien to me. Maybe to you, but like I'm, I'm you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, trying to prove a point. I'm, try, I'm trying to prove a point to Beard that I can actually, I can actually consistently do something that I set out to do after years of telling him that I want to do X, Y, and Z and never quite doing it. <laughs> on, on that topic, what are we doing today? Well, so, yeah, if you didn't guess already, if you for some reason, again, clicked on this and not read all of the bump and all the marketing and all the push that I've probably put on Twitter beforehand, and you've not read the title of the podcast episode, we are doing Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. <laughs> Is that your partridge? That was my own partridge, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of, I think, I think each week so far, we've mentioned the film that we've done next just in passing, just like slightly. So we mentioned to do with the Condors last week. Can't remember in what context, or it might be the week before. We definitely mentioned it, and I was like, this just seems like the obvious pick. Let's do Jurassic Park. It is my all-time favorite film. Like nothing beats this for me. So this is. This is where I would go super nerdy, even past my Marvel comic book obsession because Beard's I, pulling a very funny face, but I, dinosaur, Jurassic Park, nut, growing up as a kid and well, I'll, still I'll with me. I'll be sure to renewing if you get a little too enthusiastic, you know. I mean, there's some, there's some I've, I've shoved in some proper dinosaur talk in, into this, into some of the facts for some of the food scenes, so you might want to reel right. me in at some point. Well, be sh- yeah, you can be <laughs> sure I will. Let, let's get to it. Should we just jump straight into it, yeah? Let's... Nice, uh, Beltingly, well done. Belting prehistoric chuggy metal jam by by Lee. There, yeah, it was nice. <laughs> so it's very swampy, isn't it? I think those chugs. It, you know, it could be could be out of like a you know a Cretaceous swamp or something. Could like be that. out of a uh, a protoplasmic <laughs> age old swamp from which life evolves. Yeah, almost. Or, or this podcast evolved from, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, we normally have like a general chat thing because, well, there's a few films that I hadn't seen before. There's some. When we mentioned we were doing The Founder, for example, a lot of people had never even heard of it, so it kind of made sense to sort of explain it. But this is Jurassic Park. It's like an icon of cinema. It's, it's you know, like, it's Jurassic Park, literally Partridge, Jurassic Park. <laughs> like, I mean, we, sh- we should probably give it its its due and, and do a little bit of a of a talk about it before we dive right into the food yeah. stuff. So yeah. you know what? Let me take the Go lead on Go on, I'm going to say, right? hand it over to you. Sped, no expense. I'm going to use good beard. <laughs> I, stole, I stole his line. <laughs> yeah, I was going to use that one as well. Damn. Yeah, so Jurassic Park, you're right. I would imagine 90% of the people on planet Earth have probably seen it, or at least heard of it. Um, but yeah, the the it, based on a Michael Crichton novel, Right, it is indeed. Um, about a scientifically spurious way in which um, dinosaurs can be cloned. It's uh, it's done in the interest of creating kind of like a theme park for uh, for entertainment and uh, money making sake. And they get some dino specialists 
um, a lawyer and a, a chaos theory mathematician to uh, to kind of sign off on this park, and things go awry. The dinos get loose, start eating people. Pretty good summary, to be fair. I'm not far wrong with that one. I'm nothing if not concise. <laughs> so yeah, just to add to that, it's a Spielberg film for for anyone that somehow has been living in a prehistoric cave somewhere. Everyone knows that. Everyone <laughs> like knows Spielberg. Spielberg. Come on. You know, I even put. You know, when I was was sort of coming up with the, the episode and putting notes down and stuff like that, Spielberg, duh, just in brackets, like don't need to, don't need to spell it out to anyone. But yeah, Spielberg film. You've obviously got the John Williams score in this, which is absolutely fantastic. I wait, 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 wait. And as Adam starts to do that, a majestic Brachiosaurus just moved <laughs> past Beard HQ, and as soon as he stopped, it just vanished. I can't believe it. Extinct, really. <laughs> I um, do it. It's iconic though. Every time you hear it, I get I get a little bit goosebumpy, and I enjoy I enjoy the fact that even through the we, we'll we'll touch on the series in general, the franchise a little bit in like five minutes or so. But I like that they've they've still carried on with the John Williams sort of like score, and it's just lived through that, and that that just reminds me of me being a little kid, like hearing that, like when it was on ITV and you used to watch it in like six chunks, and all the graphic stuff had been pulled out, and there were about four hundred adverts in between. They it. always, you know, what they always take out they always take out the scene where the lawyer is eating on yeah, the toilet. You don't get the Why? shake. You don't get the aggressive, um, apparently paleontologically accurate shake. You know, to break all the bones in the the prey before they eat it, like like a normal animal would. Well, I mean, you, you just see it a... go, and that's it. Yeah, but I mean. What I thought, I did actually, I mean, I didn't really need to rewatch it, but no. I did rewatch about 63 minutes of it last night. All right, okay. That's <laughs> and, exact. Um, yeah. I, it got me thinking that actually, before we get into the food scenes, there are actually a lot of foods. It opens really arguably with a food scene because the dude in the cage is eaten, <laughs> or the dude is eaten uh, by the animal. We flipped it. This podcast is now for any of our dinosaur listeners out there. <laughs> <laughs> any scene where a human and or goat gets consumed. Have <laughs> yeah, you eaten goat before? Have you had goat? I don't think I've ever eaten goat. Had a bit of curried goat, yeah. So, curried goat. I mean, so the, the Rex just goes full on raw dog on that yeah. poor, poor goat that had nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't show much mercy there. Rip. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, or she didn't show much mercy there. <laughs> yeah, because all the all the dinosaurs on Jurassic Park Island are uh, female. Or are they? Or so, or so you, you are led yeah. to believe. And that's only because uh, B.D. Wong, Henry Wu, went and checked up all of their skirts, according to uh, Jeff Goldblum's Ian Malcolm. <laughs> Not that I want to get too technical really, really early on, but you know what always kind of bugged me about that film? Yeah. Is they say they fill in the blanks to create the dinosaurs from the DNA... Mm-hmm. with frog DNA, right? Yes, I think I know where you're going with this, but keep yeah. going. And, of, I mean, everyone learns this at school at some yep. point, right, that some frogs are, yep. uh, I, I don't really know what the, the word is for it. Um, it's not androgynous. It's They, they switch sexes, right? Yeah. Some so fish you, can do it as well. Yeah, there's, there's a few animals here. Yeah, so you would have thought that if they were going to pick some kind of frog don't pick DNA. Fr- don't pick frogs, just in general. Or, or specifically don't pick the species, which can't, I mean, just, Pick a, a frog from, you know, like uh, the Lake District or something well, like that. Just to add to that, and because in the later films they don't use amphibian or frog DNA, as far as I'm aware, but like dinosaurs, the two most closely related, like overarching species that they're related to are birds and reptiles. So I don't get why they fill the gap in by not using a bird 
or a reptile they just go for a, an amphibian like I, I don't know it doesn't it kind of skips over that i think it even it might explain it a little bit more in the novel i have read both of Crichton's novels um i think i reread one of them only a couple of years ago actually the first one so don't i don't know me, if it goes don't into me more detail. Anyway. you get you get too deep already yeah i know well, films and food <laughs> <laughs> that's what going to books but yeah just just to sort of round up this sort of the the general stuff so you've got some fantastic people in this i mean you just sam neil laura dern jeff jeff goldblum is oh, like man. i jeff just goldblum. love that man i i would love to just be able to just sit in a room and just talk to jeff goldblum about anything and everything you know what my first thought was when i watched this movie back i thought if i if if I was in Jurassic, that I would be Jeff Goldblum. You would be the accountant, or the no, the lawyer who gets eaten. <laughs> he doesn't get eaten in the novel, though. So I'll take I'll take the the, the novel version. No, he doesn't. I, the, my rationale for that was that Jeff Goldblum kind of just does a couple of quippy one-liners, opens his shirt, gets sweaty, and then gets um, almost mortally wounded and spends the rest of the film just laying on a table. That's what I think. That's what I would do. Yeah, fair. Yeah, fair comment. Fair comment. So you've obviously got the the late great Richard Attenborough um, playing John Hammond, um, fantastic I- iconic levels to to his role in that. I just I always see him as that. It's either that or Santa Claus, really, are the two. I think of him in that old World War Two movie. I can't remember what it's called, but um, I I I I, 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 always, I get visions of him in that. But yeah, this is probably certainly for a more modern audience arguably his most iconic role and, and it's the most parodied as well like in anything where they ever parody jurassic park there is always the stand-in richard attenborough version like mad like creator elon musk level like doesn't really know the science behind whatever they've done i think rick and morty did a really good rip-off when they did um did anatomy park i don't know if you've ever watched rick and morty i don't where they basically went inside a person it just it's just a massive parody of jurassic park and they've got like some white blood cell that can talk that is basically wait, 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 wait. this this sounds like inner space this is not a new <laughs> idea I, I might be giving my age away there but inner space martin short dennis quaid meg ryan what a film anyway yeah it's probably a rip-off of quite a few things rick and morty tend to tend to just amalgamate loads of ideas um i thought i knew this and then i must have just completely forgot i didn't know that he passed away but obviously you've got bob peck who plays robert muldoon who's oh, absolutely excellent that was you normally whip out the fun facts right and i had a fun Go on, fact i'll let you week. take it because it might be what i've is yeah. it right well usually the film fellow over here gives us some fun facts i try i try to make them as fun as possible yeah the degree to which they are fun is is often debatable but um <laughs> i actually knew i didn't research this but i, I for some reason know that um yeah robert peck um, the dude that plays the the tough guy, kind of Steve Irwin style hunter. Yep. Uh, who Kenyan make, gamekeeper. Yeah, Come, he he yep. meets an untimely demise at the hand of a uh, uh, a rather the big ho- one, hungry velociraptor. Known, yeah, the big one. Yeah, but anyway, the fact was, it kind of ties in with the podcast. Um, is that that's the Leeds connection? Did you know he was born in Leeds? Yeah, I've got that. It's right oh, here. Come but, off it, man. Uh, he's, he's trying. Some, he's, like, just, in trying song, he's trying his best. One day he'll drop a, a huge fact bomb on me that I haven't already found. But yeah, Leeds is very own Bob Peck. Yeah. Uh, sadly, he died in '99 of, of cancer, and he actually died on well, it will have been one of my birthdays. He died on the fourth of April, 1999. So I might have to light a candle next year. Yeah, that's, he died an early death. That's sad, man. Yeah, yeah. no, it is, it is really sad because I, I, in the in the comic book continuation of Jurassic Park, Muldoon survives. It doesn't explain how he survives, and in the book, in the novel, he doesn't die either. He actually survives. He's just an alcoholic game warden with a bazooka as well. He has a bazooka at one point. He's an alcoholic. 
Yeah, he's an alcoholic in it as well, yeah. I feel like a bazooka's not a bad idea if there's a T-Rex yeah, he tries to island. take on these two T-Rexes in the in the novel. There's like a junior and like an adult one. Yeah, he has like a, it's like a rocket launcher or something like that. See, I feel like they could have kept him alive if they did that, the TV edit. Because if you ever notice in the TV edit, it's just kind of, he, he turns to the yeah. left when he's hunting the, the face, one. clever girl. Yeah, then he gets some. Um, you don't he, have the wrestling match after. <laughs> yeah, afterwards it's kind of, it's covered up in, in the real version by a leaf, but you pretty much, not graphically, but you see him getting his head chewed. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. I mean, you could survive that, man, I suppose. By, by a man in a rubber costume. Yeah. Because those scenes had blokes in giant rubber velociraptor costumes, which always blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. Like the CG's great in these films. Obviously, this was like the turning point for like mega, mega CG really, wasn't it, as well? So like to still have animatronics and rubberized dinosaurs that still looked as good as the CG at the time. Taking on my t- talking points here, I was going to say this is kind of a paradigm shift for CGI because this is really the first time they got kind of light shading right on CGI models and stuff. And um, it's, it still stands... I mean, it looks a little dated if you watch You can now, kind of see the outlines now, can't you, at times? Yeah, you can a saw, little. Yeah. But I mean, it is 30 years old almost. You can suspend your disbelief basically by watching. I watched it last night on a Blu-ray copy that I've got because it seems to have been taken off of all the streaming services. So watching it and I was like, yeah, it's still... You know, I watch stuff in like 4K now, but like watching it on Blu-ray, what it still holds up, still looks fine. I could accept that if I saw it in the cinema. Yeah, and it's it's well kind of punctuated by the, the animatronics because it, they are good, and I mean it helps that the dinosaurs, right? So well, they don't, they don't yeah. you don't really know what they would look like in the flesh, in the scale, so to speak. So um, yeah, I mean it's, uh, it's well, well, Jack Horner, who was one of the, he's, he's worked on like the first three or four of the Jurassic Park films, is one of the paleontologists um, that sort of works closely with the Jurassic Park stuff. Said at the time that the animatronic T Rex was the closest he'd ever been to a real life T-Rex in his, like in his mind based on all of his studies and stuff he was like this is this is pretty much bang on obviously we now know more modern science is you know feathers involved and proto feathers and all that good jazz. lord man and it's turned into a paleontology this, this podcast like a, sci- a science podcast man let's let's, let's move right. on Sam Jackson Wayne Knight B.B. Wong I always forget that Sam Jackson's in, actually in this till he turns up, and I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, he is in this. He should have been in it more, obviously, The uh, as we mentioned. We might have mentioned it last week, actually, to do with the, the LA riots in... Um, we did, yeah. Why yeah. don't we get in? They were going to use the LA riots, but it, I said it would be poor taste. With this film, the they were going to use the hurricane, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. They, they used a bit of it, right? Yeah, they used a bit of it, and obviously Sam Jackson was supposed to have like a full scene involving his, his also untimely demise of Ray Arnold, um, but they had to cut it all because all the set got destroyed by the hurricane. That's why you probably forget that he's in it half the time because he's, he's quite big billing and yet he's only, you hear his voice a couple of times telling people to hurry up and get to the dock and then you obviously see him in the control room and that's that's it and then you, you see a prop <laughs> later on. Prop dead hand. <laughs> Wayne Knight, really good in this as well. Uh, BD Wong, obviously he's more prevalent in the, the later films as Henry Wu, but in this one. Nice, yeah. <laughs> Ric Flair in, in the house. I've just killed the the the, the um the levels on this now. By shouting <laughs> in the mic. Yeah, if anyone's eardrums have gone, that's uh, it's Beard's fault. Um, but yeah, he's he's more prevalent in the book. They've got Martin Ferrero who plays the the lawyer Donald Gennaro, um Joseph Mazzillo, who's suddenly started coming into things more recently. I've seen, and Ariana Richards who plays Relax, who's the who's the girl as well, who I don't think has been in much since. Since that sort of era, like the is 90s. the is the kid. You know, what I was thinking last night is the kid that uh, the one that gets electrocuted mm-hmm. because of his own um, what's the word fear of jumping from like I don't know ten feet in the air. Yeah, um, is he the guy that plays Brian May in the Queen movie? 
Yes, he is. Yes. Oh yes. man, I knew. It. I thought there you looked... go. There's a there's a fact to that. I'll let you. Have. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he's just suddenly reappeared. There were people were trying to find out if he's coming back for Dominion next year because obviously pretty much nearly everyone else is. Um, but he kept quite coy. But it's because he was filming at the same time. But filming's changed because of COVID, so there might be a chance that he ends up being in it, which would be interesting. I'd like to find excitement, but they should really have just ended with Jurassic Park one. <laughs> In my opinion, but you know, I like the first two. The third one makes more sense based on the canonical, the the you know four and five. No, 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 no. no come on, it, it's like it's kind of like the diehard trajectory. It goes one is the best, three is the second best, then after that, I mean, they're all like three. Two, two is terrible. You actually think three is the second best? Oh, Sam Neill isn't it? Uh, yeah, Sam Neill's fantastic, but the actual premise and plot and stupidity of half the people involved in what they do on the island really what about the guy, the guy um, who <laughs> decides to base jump inside the giant uh, uh, the pteranodon aviary aviary yeah, so yeah. For, yeah I mean yeah there's some 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 strange decision making going on um, in that film it's not a terrible film in retrospect but I, that will be one of my my least favourite of the franchise anyway we're not here to fight over which because I'll win because it's my favourite franchise so oh, okay. what I say goes uh, in 2018 did you know that this film was uh, selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress being culturally historically and aesthetically significant I mean yeah, that, that is grounds for preservation I, I agree with that I mean it's a big like we said it's a big um, shift in filmmaking if nothing else even if you don't like the, the, the film I mean, who doesn't like Jurassic Park? But if you don't, you have to admit that it was a big shift in how films are, you know, made. Now, because of it, I would also, I find it quite funny that, you know, if there is a doomsday scenario one day and someone just, you know, some aliens or something or whatever, whatever dominates the planet after us finds... Dinosaurs. <laughs> well, <laughs> dinosaurs just returned, yeah, but they might do, um, and just finds this, uh, this, this film... Like in it, it's nice. I like the idea that it's been preserved forever as being like a very significant part of human history, and it's a film. I quite enjoy that. Um, and then to add, the reason that we're kind of doing this before we move on is that uh, Jurassic World Dominion, so the sixth sort of film instalment, comes out next June. It was supposed to come out this June, so that's kind of the other reason why I thought we might as well do this because it's a you know tenuous. That's a tenuous link, but um, a link nonetheless. <laughs> I take it you probably won't be watching that one. Um, I I might you know because the, I I heard the rumor that they're getting the whole getting the gang back together the whole cast like Sam Neill's in it, Jeff Goldblum's in it right so if if those two are in it and he's still trying to nick Sam Neill's wife, uh, well it, she was going to be his wife right oh you that well, was implied. The third, if you said the third one was your second favorite film she married a different guy yeah she, but yeah. she that's what I mean she was going I, there was the idea that they, they were going to get married but it, I found it quite uh, I found it quite interesting um, because this is a personal thing but um. Mrs. Beard, my my, uh, my fiance, she's always banging on about having kids, and I'm reluctant to the idea. So I felt kind of a kinship with uh, Samuel's <laughs> character at the beginning, how how much he uh, he dislikes children, and then you disowned him towards the end, where he suddenly becomes like almost like de facto dad of the year. <laughs> I, I wonder if that's the reason I stopped at 63 minutes. You know, <laughs> right? This is the point where Grant gives up and caves. So I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. Oh God! Well, remind me to. I mean, I'm not a child, I guess, so it doesn't matter. But you know. Let's not get trapped on, a, on an island full Wait of dinosaurs. A second. You are wearing a t-shirt that says "Bingo Dino DNA." With with, I uh, was waiting for him to notice with Mister Mister DNA himself. Yeah, indeed. See, look, I'm obsessed. I told you, I told you, this is this is my <laughs> it's my time to shine. Is this episode? Um, the one line, the only one line. There's tons of lines. This, but before we move on, the one line that I picked out that I thought would be a very of a kinship to Adam 
is the find Nedry, check the vending machines. <laughs> when he's disappeared. So, so uh, Dennis Nedry is, uh, um, you know, he's of the... Uh, he's portly. He's, he's a portly, portly He's a portly man um, who, uh, yeah, he thinks he's a bit above his station, doesn't he, at work. And obviously he does some nefarious things, which is the first scene we're about to talk about. But right. I just find it funny that uh, Hammond basically just drops the check the vending machines line in just a sly little dig. To yeah. see where he's gone. <laughs> yeah, that is a funny one, you know, like that. Would you ever would you ever consider as a, a, a video? I was thinking, what if you just like get a load of like change and just try and destroy <sighs> people, like eat people, a full vending machine? Yeah, people have asked me to do that before. I mean it, it feels a bit I try to avoid gimmicky stuff as much <laughs> as possible. Plus I couldn't deal with it. if I got somebody else to put the money in and just kinda hand me the stuff, maybe. Otherwise it'd just be too fiddly. <laughs> Well, there's one to think about. Anyway, that's kind of the reason I put it in. I just thought I'll quiz him, see if he'll see if he'll ever eat a vending machine. Not the whole vending machine. <laughs> I don't want him to like, you know, die and get metal parts stuck inside of him. But yeah, if he if he ever fancies doing it, call it the Dennis Nedry challenge or something like that if you want. <laughs> probably just call it the vending machine challenge. But okay. yeah, okay. It's probably got a better marketability ability to it, I guess. Kids these days will be like, who's who's Dennis Nedry? <laughs> Well, speaking of Dennis Nedry, um, here is uh, one of Wayne Knight's sort of main scenes, I guess. It's obviously a bigger scene later in the film, but it's got food in it. So should we talk about it? Let's get to the food. Come on. We've got Beard here. Beard here. No, uh, it's, uh, it's obviously the... We've got Dodgson. We've got Dodgson here. And obviously, uh, Lewis Dodgson doesn't doesn't want people to know that he's, uh, he's, he's been a bit incognito and a bit sly, even though he's in a Costa Rican village where I don't think anyone would care who he is or what's going on. I like the fact that he thinks the straw hat is going to... It's like Clark Kent with the glasses. <laughs> yeah. He thinks the straw hat's going to protect his identity. So just in case, again, for some reason, you're listening to this and you've never seen Jurassic Park and you've got no idea what the hell we're talking about. Beard, do you want to explain what this scene is? Oh, yes. Essentially, um, Dennis Nedry, he's a bit of a uh, an uncouth character bit of a you wouldn't call him a villain necessarily but he's he, it's implied he's, he's fallen on hard times I was, I was just about to say that if you let me finish film fella sorry <laughs> he's um his uh yeah his financial situation is uh is not quite as uh rosy as uh he would like it to be so he decides he's going to smuggle some embryos of these uh created dinosaurs off the island presumably to some kind of competitor company it never really goes into that in the first film biosyn all right yeah okay we get it <laughs> um and yeah, so in, in exchange for that, I think he's paid, what is he, $750,000? Yeah, it's a 750k, and then, did you know the other number? It's a similar amount upon delivery of them. Yes, it's like 50 grand per embryo, and it's 15, so yeah. yeah. So anyway, this this dude turns up, Dodgson, um, and he explains to Dennis how he can smuggle the embryos off the island using a can of Barbasol uh, shaving foam. Iconic. Which has been like kind of James Bond style um, <laughs> customised in order to be super cool. I don't mean in the sense that it's stylish. I mean that it's really cold to, to chill the embryos and it can be inspected by, uh, you know, customs. They won't find the embryos in there. And it does actually still squirt out um, shaving foam in case he needs to shave. But he's clean shaven and you should never shave, kids. Just don't do that anyway. <laughs> Top tip from beard. I mean, we, we both we both have beards of varying lengths. But yeah, obviously beard has got the beard in the room before he says anything about mine. Um, yeah, I also like that um, when he's explaining... Um, I've noticed it before and I didn't realise, but he says, um, what, no menthol? Because obviously you can get like a menthol like shaving foot, which sounds weird to me, but I haven't shaved in years. You haven't shaved in decades. So I, like, <laughs> I don't, I can't imagine. I think I would kind of, it sounds like it would sting, especially if you're doing a close It sounds shave. more like it's going to be an edible thing as opposed to something wow. that you put on your face. But uh, apparently, yeah, apparently that's a thing. But I, I do like that he just, 
he gets really excited and giggly about it, doesn't he? It then it then does the the part directly after that does kind of hurt me a little bit on a on a spiritual level. What the because God. he then he then puts the shaving foam on top of what looks like some cherry pie to me. Looks like a pretty good slice of cherry pie, and I don't even know if it's his cherry pie. That could be just some poor. I think it is because it's right next to him. I think he's just kind of got like a chain of <laughs> stuff like he might want to eat. Presumably, it's cheap in Costa Rica, wherever they are. And he's just got some pie lined up. But we we discussed this last week because we were talking about um, how food photographers and videographers and stuff like that, people that do food ads, they, I mean, they don't, they don't actually use food a lot of the time. So I gave the example that if you want cream on top of, say, a stack of nice, warm, fluffy pancakes, you might use shaving foam because it doesn't melt at room temp. Um but yeah, that, that ties in with last week. But yeah, it still hurts me a little bit that he puts this. It's going to imagine how it's going to taste. Cherry pie, I love cherry pie as well. What about if some poor, you know, unsuspecting Costa Rican thought oh, there's a nice, tasty, free slice of pie there? Or it goes back to kitchen because I mean, the thing is, I feel like Nedry's the sort of bloke that would have probably wiped off the shaving cream and then eaten that pie after. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially considering you know, like at the end, he's like, you know, don't go cheap on me, Dodgson. Um, that's that's what Hammond <laughs> did. That's that was Hammond's mistake. It makes him pay the bill as well as the seven hundred and fifty grand that he's just given him in a in a duffel bag, literally in a bag, yeah. Um, for whatever he's been eating as well. So I feel like he waste not want not with Nedry. I feel like he'd have just wiped that off and uh, eaten it anyway, probably. Yeah. But yeah, th- there isn't really much else to say. There is some stuff to go along with that scene. Just some, you know. I like to try and be a little bit factual, as we've said, and try and keep things fun. In in the spirit of trying to keep things fun, one of these is about dinosaurs, so it's kind of fun. The other one is about sexual assault, so oh, varying God varying levels of, uh, well, one of them isn't fun. I'm not going to say varying levels of fun. One of them is just not fun. So I'm glad you cleared that up while yeah, we're in the room, just, lo- just in a room sure. together. <laughs> yeah, this is all I'm doing is just giving him more and more reasons to not want to do this podcast with him. <laughs> So Lewis Dodgson in the in the books, in the novelization of Jurassic Park and the Lost World is quite an important character. As Beard mentioned, it's for a rival genetics company. Obviously, InGen is the company that John Hammond runs and is sort of like almost played off as like a villainous company after his his death later on in the other films because they, they tend to just do whatever the profit line sort of helps them with. The the same is probably could be said for the company Lewis Dodgson works for, which is Biosyn. Um, so Lewis Dodgson's actual character is quite important. Now, the guy who plays him in this one very small scene, and because you don't really see him properly, I don't think this will matter going forward, but he's played by an actor called Campbell Scott. Uh, sorry, he's not played by an actor called Campbell Scott. He's played by an actor called Cameron Thor. Campbell Scott is coming back to play the role of Lewis Dodgson in Jurassic World Dominion. The reason for that is that Cameron Thor... Which I keep getting confused between Campbell and Cameron. There, I've just realised. I've just realised if you just use this initial, it'd be C Thor, yes. D Thor. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway, go on. Well, it's, you probably don't want him anywhere near a kid's playground because he is uh, he's in prison currently for for six years, which seems like a very small amount of time for sexually assaulting a thirteen year old girl in twenty sixteen. So, good God, does that need to be in the podcast? I mean, they, they, I, I just came along to talk about food, and now we're getting into I'm, serious. I was just saying that, that Lewis Dodgson's character is coming back, but it's coming back um, as he's returning as Campbell Scott. Which, fun fact, is played. Um, he plays Richard Parker, who is uh, Spidey's dad in the Amazing Spider-Man Two with Andrew Garfield. Oh, not not the tiger from uh, Life of Pi. No, <laughs> that was called Richard Parker. That's probably another film you haven't seen. 
But no. That's got a food scene in it as well. We could do that. There we go. Look, every week, just a new food scene that reemerges as we, we talk about something else. So that was my slightly less fun fact. So he's not he's not coming back, but the character's coming back because he was is an important character that the the re emerging in Jurassic World Dominion. Um, and then, as Beard mentioned, there's 750 grand on the table for these 15 species. Have you ever wondered what the 15 species are? Because I know what they are. Please don't list every... I'm, I'm going to read off the 15 yeah. species and then Beard goes to sleep. So, the as, as seen in the room, the ones that are physically seen in the room, there is a bit of an area of contention because there's two ways this could go. Beard is already losing me here. So, on screen, there is Brachiosaurus, Dilophosaurus... Proceratosaurus, Gallimimus, T-Rex, Velociraptor, Stegosaurus, Metriacanthosaurus, and Triceratops. And then there's another two vials that are labeled BA and CS. Now, BA is presumably Baryonyx, and CS is presumably Compsognathus. But on the Dinosaur Protection Group website that was created for the Jurassic World film, they also added in Parasaurolophus, Herrerasaurus, Segisaurus, Coriumphiosaurus, Pteranodon, Patasaurus, and Trudon. I feel like you're just saying Pokemon to me now. <laughs> like, you just move off this part, man. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is not like seasoning to go with the food scenes. Can we? It, 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 well, I was going to say it clashes with what is on Ray Arnold's screen because there is another. Basically, there's more dinosaurs, but there's only ten spaces in the Barbasol can. But there seems to be almost like thirty different species of dinosaur that are either on screen or are on the computer screen. You're one of those people that would make a comment on one of my videos where I eat, like, I don't know, somebody's daily diet and I don't get the exact brand of rice that they eat or something like that. It was just unnecessary levels of detail. And with that, the ones on Ray on our screen is Ceridactyl. Okay. <laughs> And then we flip the table. You didn't even let me get to Styracosaurus or Microceratops. Michael Ceratops. <laughs> yeah, Michael Ceratops. Oh, man, that would have been a good joke. Not worth the build up, but um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so basically, I was just saying, there's an area of contention. Um, and then, yeah, unfortunately, sort of rounding out that sort of scene or later on is the fact that, you know, he's supposed to meet at the East Dock at 7 p.m., 18 minute window, 18 minutes to get all of them and get get his company catching up on 10 years of research. But um, for those of you that have seen the film, you know it doesn't quite go down like that. No, no, he, he gets brutally killed by a... a, a dinosaur, dinosaur, I think I could probably overpower looking at it, you know? <laughs> I feel like it's got a long neck. I feel like I could kind of... Like if in, in a, a, life or death, a life or death situation, I feel like I could, I could maybe like... Drop the shoulder, boof, from the side, and get it in some kind of headlock. Tight frills over his yeah, face. I mean, so. it, it looks like it weighs like it's, six stone or something. It's the wrong... Apparently, it should be bigger than that in real life, but they oh. made it smaller so that people didn't get confused with the Velociraptors in the film. But in real life, it would be considerably larger than... It's bigger than a human person, basically, in, in oh, real right. life. So oh, well. whether they retconned that and that was a, a baby, I don't know, but it's still... It's still sort it's of even worse. Out. Even worse for Nedry if he got killed by an actual baby, <laughs> child, a venomous child. Yeah, like it's a show off as well. Dilophosaurus. If you think about it, it's got that like kind of a collar thing going on. Like yeah. it's like the Pharrell Williams of, of dinosaurs. <laughs> like it's just a big show off. <laughs> it just has too many. It's just too much going on for it, doesn't it? Really, I think that they, they should have just calmed down a little bit. Um, you need to calm down a little. You might yeah, no, I'm getting quite excited about dinosaur talk here. Um, right. So that is. That scene. Shall we move on to what is probably, arguably, the main food scene in this film, or the one that most people will remember, I would imagine? There, well, I mean, there are a couple in my head, but yeah, let's go on to whatever you want to talk about. Let's do it. Yeah. 
Cheers, Lee. I'll wait, I was waiting. I was waiting for Adam to get in there. Eventually, the, the joke will, will die off. Uh, Lee will probably count the sewers or something for the music that he's I'll done. Stop now. I'll stop. <laughs> so the scene that I'm talking about, and we've done it in order. So obviously, the pie shaving cream scene came first. This scene is the the infamous lunch scene. Alejandro's Chilean sea bass. Properly, Alejandro. Alejandro. I mean, John tries to tell Grant before this scene, when they're at the Raptor Paddock, that they've got a lovely Chilean sea bass waiting. But Grant's having none of it because he wants to watch the uh, the Raptors on a, on another food scene. He eat a, eat a large cow. <laughs> yeah, they go at that cow, man. <laughs> yeah. They don't just eat the cow; they eat the whole kind of um, thing that's suspended in. Yeah, just the, the whole, yeah, the whole, the whole thing. It basically it'd be like you eating a plate or something like that after yeah. you finished. <laughs> Um, I do I, to be honest just, just talking about that scene though it's a bit like Jaws in um, in Steven Spielberg's like one, well, it might have been his first film Jaws actually where you didn't show much of the shark but everyone else sees what's going on and in that one we don't see the raptors you see them reacting to the raptors eating the cow so yeah I really enjoyed that just to, I thought I'd quickly mention that it's good, good filmmaking device you know what I, I always wondered it, it, does he say we have a wonderful chili and sea bass or does he say we have a wonderful Chilean sea bass, as in sea bass from Chile? Because I feel like if it's the former, I mean, the chili is not the main part of the dish. You would say sea bass with chili. No, you, you are correct. That is apparently um, when I was, um, so obviously I watched the film again the other night, but then I went through and just checked the clips just so I could get some more details. And the comment section on YouTube for the lunch scene is loads of people like clearly having a joke between whether it's it's Chilean sea bass or Chilean sea bass. Like, do we know which difference? one is? But it but it is actually it's it's just a Chilean sea bass. Ah, right. well, so that does make more sense. Yeah, um, there is a video that I actually watched on YouTube, um, which I should probably like plug, but I can't remember who who made it. But you'll find it if you if you Google the Chilean sea bass. You'll find you'll obviously find a binging with Babish video where he's recreated this. Love Babish why, and Nicholas stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you think we're doing? <laughs> Um, well, we're not, by the way, in case he ever does listen to this. You know, it was, it was my don't idea. There's much chance of that, man. I don't, I don't think. <laughs> no risk of that. But yeah, loads of people were debating what's in this. But um, you can now get the recipe off of some of the, the Jurassic Park like marketing websites for like, Jurassic World and things like that. So the actual recipe is Chilean sea bass, green beans, halved cherry tomatoes, and then you get a crispy, spiralized, curly sweet potato fries. On top. Fair, it does look nice. Like, I mean, I love fish. I love seafood in general, and it does look good. I mean, it, it's so good. Before we talk about the scene, we'll talk about the fish, because this is a food and a film podcast, and it's very rare we actually talk about the food so much as we do the scenes. Yeah, amen. So did you know anything about the Chilean sea bass coming into this, or does it just sound like any other fish with a name slapped on front of it to you? I feel like there's going to be some Easter egg that you that you tell me. But I, I, as far as I'm aware, sea bass is sea bass. This, is a, this is a shocking Chile. Easter egg. So, in a film that is about extinction and the ethical nature of you know bringing things back and that you know should should things stay extinct, this fish, because of its inclusion in this film, was almost fished to extinction because of its mere mention in this film, and it became because obviously. Hammond is treating this fish as if it's like a upper class, quite fancy, posh meal. It's then through the nineties, early nineties, this fish actually became like a, a fish you would get on like a Michelin star restaurant. 
Um, so it was overfished then. It was overfished heavily. Um, its actual name is the Patagonian toothfish, and it would never have been eaten before, but some guy, I can't remember the name of this guy, saw a gap in the market, because it's a huge fish. It can grow up to 200 pounds in weight, and it can live for about 50 years, and it grows to about seven feet. So it, like people were just chucking it back in, because as the name implies, we're having toothfish. It's an ugly, black, oily Disgusting looking fish, really. The pictures, it doesn't look great. But it tastes good. It tastes good. So apparently, no, I mean, just, just for Beard's benefit, if he ever does get older, because you can buy it now ethically sourced, like it still exists. It is supposed to be a sweet white meat with a fatty taste because it's got a very high oil count. Like It, it looks like when it. you when you see it, you look, I mean, I wonder if they got the real thing because you look at that and it's, I mean, it's cut up into nice little slices in the movie. And it does look, it looks like a white a white meat fish, mm-hmm. but it doesn't look like a light fish. So like, a, say like a cod or a haddock. No. It looks like it has density and it is a bit oily, almost kind of like, not quite a mackerel, but um, it does look like it has a bit of kind of, I don't want to say gaminess, but if, if, if you're into food, you'll know what I mean when I say game. It looks like it has a bit of oomph to it, you know. What do you mean if they're into food? They're listening to a film and food podcast. Of course they're into food. It's, yeah, but it's, not, it's 90% film, 10% food maybe. <laughs> and, it's, and for once it's not a burger or yeah. something like that. Um, but yeah, so there was actually a campaign during the 90s which has been successful thankfully. Take a pass on Chilean sea bass, the campaign by... Oh my God, that, yeah. is, that, is, take, that, that is amazing marketing. Yeah, um, so a lot of American chefs signed up to it and they're basically you can still buy it um, like I mentioned earlier, Binging with Babish has, has obviously done a YouTube video on it. You can actually buy it. You just have to buy it from like ethically sourced fisheries and things like that. I, I imagine regular sea bass wouldn't taste too much. No, 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 you could try it with regular sea bass. I think even when I like, I watched to see how the recipe was for this, obviously to figure out how it was cooked and things. And you can you could replace it with cod and just cook it the same way. Or a bit you, using heat, I imagine is how I cooked it. You are using heat. Oh yeah, heat's a, a good start whenever cooking anything. Yeah, seen, I saw I saw a video come up and suggested on YouTube the other day, and it, it was called "Can I slap something to cook it?" Yes, I've seen that. That does actually work, but it takes a ridiculous amount of slapping. It doesn't work, surely. Come on. Uh, it cooks. It cooks it a little bit. You can put a, put a thermometer in it and test it, so you can go from it, like raw it, chicken to it, like raises its temperature by three degrees. But some people have made machines that like spank a chicken like <laughs> at very very high speeds for like hours. So yeah, it does cook it eventually. <laughs> Uh, I've just got the image in my head now. This machine, people spanking I mean, this I mean, chicken. Spank the chicken sounds like something completely different. Sounds like a, it sounds like a board game that will come out at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, let's let's keep it like child friendly. It's a board yeah. game that come out at Christmas and not anything else that I was implying. Um, so yeah, did did you know that about the Chilean sea Clearly, bass? I did not know. I mean, who the heck would know that? Come on. Well, I didn't until I started doing the research for this. But yeah, yeah. I kind of want to try it now. But I feel a bit bad. Because also it's it, you know, it's not endangered anymore, but it was. So bear that in mind, folks. If you ever see it on the menu, just double think. You know, have have a check. Check check with the the, the waiter or the maitre d. Say, is this ethically sourced? Because if it's not, I'll I'll go with the. If it's not, the film fella told me not. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what you need to say. And they'll look at you and go, "What?" <laughs> um. So yeah, coupon day. Need a coupon day. We could charge whatever we want for this. That's so. This is. Um, I'm going on to the scene now. So Gennaro has got incredibly excited after realizing that dinosaurs walk the earth once again, and after it throws all of the ideas out of the window about all of the health and safety issues, and you know the the one employee that's already died and a few that have been injured. 
and just decides that yeah, we can we can charge whatever we want. Um, even though Hammond is a very rich man, he's not as keen on that idea, and he wants it to be for everyone because he's a, he's an idealist, isn't he? Really, you do, you, you do get the feeling that Hammond is, although a bit psychotic. <laughs> um, he he, do, he do, he's trying to do good, isn't he? Because he tells a little kind of an the little story about his his flea circus, which was the first thing he did when he came down from came down quotes from Scotland. I don't know where he came down to, but um, yeah, and he, he kind of wants to entertain the kids. You know, it's clear that he loves his grandkids, right? So he, he just likes entertaining kids, not like the the other guy you mentioned earlier in the podcast. If you don't cut that out, no, um, <laughs> no staying in. So oh, you definitely don't in. entertain right, kids okay. like that. We do. He, he actually that. likes, you know, actually he, he he likes the idea of creating attractions that that kids enjoy and um, will remember forever. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, yeah, the the lawyer. Um, the blood-sucking lawyer, yep. as Hammond calls him, uh, is a little bit more uh, cutthroat. I mean, he, he goes quite quickly from, we could charge whatever we want, 2000 a day, 10000 a day. There's no, <laughs> I mean, I'm feeling, not even, I mean, nobody's paying ten grand a day. Come on, to, to go to a dinosaur island. I mean, two grand a day is quite steep, unless yeah. that includes, like, your, you know, your trip to Nublar and how you get to Costa Rica. And, I feel like it's yeah. going to be a holiday, right, because it's on an yeah. island. So, yeah, yeah. I could, maybe two grand, all right. Maybe you could go three, four, but not a day. I mean, yeah. that's that's maybe, like, your week there, you know? Yeah, like... I'd, still I'd, cheaper I'd, than the centre parks. Attendances would be... Well, they'd be still high, but uh, of no one that would actually, you know, keep this island sustained for very long, because, you know... Don't you feel like the staffing levels are, are worryingly low as well? There's like about six staff <laughs> for the entire island. Yeah, well, they've not opened yet, have they? So I feel like it's kind of like on, on Soft ghost. Launch. Yeah, it's like ghost I'm, staff. I'm going to get into that in a little bit. If, if we discuss the other food scene, I think we're going to mention, I have, I have staffing concerns there too, but we'll get onto that. Right, okay. Um, so if you've got the coupon date, the main thing that sticks with me is the fact that all of your big hit characters all have their own say. None of it's particularly good, or none of it's particularly what Hammond was expecting them to say. In Hammond's mind, he was expecting the two paleontologists, or the, the paleontologists and the paleobotanists to be like, yeah, this is this is sick. Like, I can't believe, well, they probably won't say that in 1993, but they'd be like, this is amazing. They would have said, this is, uh, this is cool, man. The, this is proper rad, radical. This is a radical, radical. new, cool, dope thing or something like that. Yeah, dope's now. Been... Dope is what they say now. Oh, right. Oh, I don't know. I'm getting all mixed up. I'm not down with the kids anymore. But anyway, they do not agree. And then the chaotician, uh, Ian Malcolm, who never really agreed and always likes to be a bit on the sort of like the edgy side of answering towards anything. He, uh, yeah, he, he's not agreed with it from the get-go. And he's, I think he was already, he was on the side of Gennaro originally when Gennaro, the lawyer, didn't really agree with what was going on, on the island and he was like you see I, you know i told you blah, blah blah so you get the fantastic speeches um from jeff goldblum where he's talking about you know genetic power is the most awesome power the world has ever seen but you wield it like a kid who's found his father's gun which is fantastic you've got I, the- I, wait a second i take issue with that though it's not the most is it that I, I would say the h-bomb is probably the most <laughs> awesome force but yeah, anyway, I'll let you hey, you've not been well. We've you've not been attacked by a H bomb either, but you've definitely not been attacked by a T Rex. So like until that happens, True. maybe you might reconsider. <laughs> <laughs> you've obviously got the, the the one of the iconic lines, which is the whole pit and it slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you just want to sell it. You want to sell it, which is I always I always saw all the merchandise in this film, like in the, the gift shop when it pans across from the next scene we're about to talk about. And I was always I always wanted all of them as a kid, so I would have probably bought the plastic lunchbox. <laughs> I feel like there's a certain irony in that because I remember when this movie. Came, I don't. How old were you when this film came out? Well, I was um, I was born. I was two months old when this two, film came yeah, out. So I, was like I watched eight. it when I was like two, three year old, right. and still remember. I, I was like what eight, seven or eight. So I I remember 
all the merchandise. So it's kind of a certain uh, hypocrisy in them <laughs> taking the piss out of the fact they're going to merchandise it when the actual filmmakers so heavily merchandise. Yeah, it. and I think it sold like all, those toys were like some of the like obviously I was quite young at the time, so I didn't get them till I was a bit older, and it meant that there wasn't as much stock. But I think when that film initially came out, those Kenner like Jurassic Park action figure toys and stuff were like the number one. Like I had one with them. I had like the, di- the rubberized dinosaur, which was just cool it, anyway, but it had a little piece of flesh I in it. I had that T-Rex Which you well. could remove and it sh- yeah. like showed the rib cage, which yeah. I thought was a little bit They all, had, they all had like battle damage, time. didn't they? Even though there's not really any of that in the film, but all of these dinosaurs yeah. had had little rubbery battle damage pieces. Yeah. There was cool also idea, like a, a ton of dinosaurs that weren't in the film. <laughs> there was loads well. of toys. But like you said... You know, they painted it, they slapped it on a, on a toy. On a lunchbox. <laughs> and sold it. Um, and you've also got the, the other iconic line, which is that so preoccupied with if you could rather than, you know, the scientists thinking if they should or not. I often get that I before, enjoy. I, I, before I'm about to do a, a video, I often think that. <laughs> I, I, I could eat 50 apple pies, but should I eat 50 apple pies? Should, should I? <laughs> should have listened to Ian, man. <laughs> I love the way he delivers it as well. Like nobody, I don't, I've never seen somebody do an impression of Jeff Goldblum because He's I hard. think it, it can't, couldn't be done. Well, he stops, doesn't he? He like he doesn't stutter. It's not like a stutter. He just sort of. It's almost like he's thinking about his next sentence before he said it. He's got kind and, of a sexy way of talking as well. Yeah. He's got kind of like a. It's almost a kind of an erotic way of speaking. <laughs> I, I love Jeff Goldblum. Though. Yeah, no, I can't get enough of him. His um, his Disney Plus show where he just explains like random thing, like how how a bike's made or how his ice what? cream made or whatever. There's a Disney Plus series with Goldblum, and I'm not going to buy it, but I mean, I could probably rip some clips somewhere, right? Yeah, you can find it on, on YouTube. There is clips. Why does he not do his shirt halfway through the film as well? You ever wonder that? He exposes his kind of slightly, <laughs> slightly damp, hairy he's chest. Sweaty. He's got a bit of an infection going on from his uh, his attack, and he's probably just got a bit warm and sweaty. Maybe, yeah. I've got, a, a you know, the little pop figurines. I've got a Jeff Goldblum laid, laid down with his shirt open. Cost me about 30 quid. But, you know, I'm an obsessive. Money so. well spent. <laughs> yeah, I always just take a little peek at it before I go to bed. <laughs> and on that note, I'll move on. So, obviously, um, Hammond obviously mentions the Condors thing, which we mentioned on a previous episode. I can't remember why, but we, we did. We definitely mentioned it in this room. Because um, I think I said albatrosses, which I felt really bad because this is this is my film. So, I can't, can't believe I forgot that it was Condors. Condors, yeah. Um, so the ethical stuff there, as we mentioned about that, um, you know, the Patagonian toothfish slash Chilean sea bass. Maybe, you know, if John put his mind to work, he could have sorted them out instead of, you know, having them in his film and making them extinct by everyone eating it. Yeah. And yeah, there's a really cool line that I never realised that Jeff rolls out right at the end where he says, I call it the rape of the natural world. And I've never... He's a bit dramatic over there, is He's a little bit. When he gets cut off at that point and they, I think they ask um, Laura Dern what her thoughts are, to which she then also goes in on Hammond saying that all the plants are poisonous and like... Yeah. Why well, poisons the triceratops, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's a, a Indian lilac or something like that. So what, what just, it does make sense. It's weird that there's all this money that's gone into it, but it is showing. Like you were mentioning the other week, um, to do with you know bureaucracy of things and stuff like that. That this this guy is obviously wanting to make the best theme park in the world to entertain everyone. He's not like cut corners because obviously he's spent he's spared no expense. He's spent as much money as possible, but he's just not really thought about it. He's kind of just gone. Oh, those well, those look nice. So we'll just yeah, buy them. That's what Malcolm's getting at, isn't it? He's yeah. saying, you know, he didn't really, it didn't take any discipline to attain it. Is the line that he uses? Yes, because it was other people's theory, totally bunk theory that they won't actually ever work. But um, a theory nonetheless. And uh, yeah, he's talking about it's the same as when we talked about falling down last week. How cap capitalism kind of <laughs> d- destroys what would otherwise be if it was 
more um, conscientiously conceived a good idea. Well, maybe not a good idea. They're bringing back an extinct species, but you get what I'm getting at. Yeah, I, I get what you're getting at. I mean, I don't mind an extinct species coming back. The thing is, they, they are trying to bring down... Between the Elon Musk tweet, which they didn't ever explain, his company tweeted like a few months ago saying that they could do it if they wanted to, and then it, it was definitely a marketing thing just to get people talking about them. Jack Horner, who's the guy I mentioned before, has got a theory, and he's trying to de-evolve a chicken into a chickenosaurus. Have you seen this? I feel like we don't really need to go down this. We don't need to go down it, but it's something... First of all, it's devolve. And second, <laughs> a chicken. Yeah, because it's um, one of the closest living relatives to a Tyrannosaurus rex is a chicken. Oh man, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> <laughs> it was once the, the most feared predator on planet Earth. Now it's been eaten in large quantities by bodybuilders. They've both got tiny arms. Though, so. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, the, what you were saying about the uh, the mosquito amber thing, that's not possible. But the other thing is, we won't go into detail on that. And then Grant finally sticks the nail in the coffin by saying, dinosaurs and man, two species separated by 65 million years of evolution. How could we possibly know? I feel like his, his is more grey, though. He's not really yeah, a detractor, just like, is I, he? It's like Mark, Mark comes the really hard line, no, stop it. Laura Dern, is that, kind of, is that the, the yeah, Ellie Sattler, but Laura yeah, yeah. Dern, yeah, yeah. So her character, she's a bit like, nah, you've kind of messed up, but still. And then Grant's kind of just like, states a fact, which is neither <laughs> neither positive. He's like, well, we don't know. We don't really know what's going to happen. Shrug. <laughs> yeah, and the lot, so on balance, I reckon with the lawyer and himself in tow, he's probably got a more positive than negative reaction, really. Till the end of the film where he changes, oh, but yeah. at that time, yeah. And then like you've said, just to round this out, you've obviously got Hammond saying that the only one on his side is the blood-sucking lawyer, to which Gennaro actually takes like compliment to that. He's like quite... Yeah, I he mean, like giggles, giggles at it, don't they? Which is which yeah, is quite fun to him. That is just, that's like a badge of honor because he's <laughs> yeah, I am a bit grubby and I'm the guy that's going to make tons of money. You know, it'd be like somebody calling me filthy, and I, I wouldn't take exception <laughs> to that. You know. And and with that, that is that scene done. Should we move on to the ice cream scene? Yeah, sure. You kind of touched upon it before. Is so it? I don't think of ice cream in my head. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. So we're going to round the podcast out with with two scenes. Um, we'll just we'll just roll them in together because they're, they're quite short anyway. So you already mentioned that in this scene, just for a quick explainer, the kids have fallen into the Tyrannosaurus Rex paddock and they're moving presumably to to these characters' mindsets. They're still alive potentially and trying to get out of the park with Grant. Um, they've got Malcolm back and he's on some morphine. Power's out and uh, yeah, everyone's just having a bit of a sad time really as, as things, you know, slowly... As, as Malcolm mentioned before, the chaos theory thing, everything just is slowly falling into, into chaos. And yeah, there's a scene, it shows you the gift shop, like I mentioned before, which is, you know, I always wanted all those little stuffed, like, T-Rexes and, like, Yeah, you said that a couple of times, now. you're not going to get them. I'll, you know what, I'll buy I one for your birthday. <laughs> and then it moves on to showing Hammond at the table eating um, a lot of large gallons of slowly melting ice cream. Yeah. Um, with, with Ellie Sattler. And that's basically, then this, this whole scene is him... It's his realization that he's kind of like ballsed up. I think it's him starting to realize he's still trying to convince Ellie that what he's doing will work, and they just need to iron out the kinks. And that he's you you can tell in this scene that he's genuinely doing it as 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 Beard mentioned before. He wants kids to to be happy. He wants families to come and enjoy what he's created. And it's where he he sort of mentions his origin, um, coming down from Scotland and having his little mechanized flea circus where kids at the time didn't realize there weren't real fleas and all that kind of thing they're not real fleas in flea markets flea circuses 
Uh, hopefully not, Marcus. <laughs> but, but I've just I've just ruined it for everyone. Oh, man, that's like finding out Santa Claus isn't real. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the only reason I've kind of included it, it's a really impactful scene. It's one that like I think really stands out because you you get in that realization by him that he you know he's, he's messed up, and also you get in the the it's kind of what Crichton's novels all about that you know man cat control creation, man cat control. You know, if the power's gone out, there's things that can happen that you, you we just don't have control over. We never will. Um, and as as Ellie says in that particular scene, like he he goes, you know, next time creation is an act of sheer will, and she just reminds him that it's basically, you know, it's still the flea circus. You never had control; it's an illusion. Um, and yeah, basically, she didn't have enough respect for all the power when they were there because they were all just amazed by it. But now it's out, and people are dying. And then it, it just ends with her having a little lick of what I think it looks like strawberry ice cream. I'm gonna go with. Is it? You reckon? Could be. It looks. It's. It's. It's, it's not dark. Yeah. May, maybe. Yeah. It's quite. It's, it, I mean, could you eat all those gallons of ice cream? Do you I reckon? I can't really recall how many there are. There's like. I would say there's two like big, maybe slightly bigger than a KFC bucket levels of of ice cream, and then a couple of like big gallon, like you'd see like in an ice cream vendor. Oh, maybe not. There's maybe like five or six on the table. Six he's gallons. Just, he's just like picking at. Yeah. I could no, 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 definitely not. <laughs> death by ice cream. <laughs> that would be death by ice cream. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't assume that neither of them sat there. I mean, there'd be a lot of running. They do a lot of running about later on, so to be full of ice cream would be pretty bad, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, it goes through you pretty quick. <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be making use of those Jurassic Park toilets. A few of them got destroyed. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, he, he, she's eating it. Says it's good, and you get the uh, the. Iconic line that is mentioned several times, Hammond saying that he spared no expense. Even on the ice cream, Adam, he got the... Do you reckon some Haagen-Dazs, maybe? Or? No, I, th- I mean, Haagen-Dazs pretty cheap these days. Ben & Jerry's, I suppose. Ben & Jerry's back in 90s when it wasn't as, as mega in Back 90s. In 90s. Yeah, maybe when it was more... No, it doesn't look like it's got much in it, you know? Mm. So maybe it's, maybe it's Haagen-Dazs. Or maybe like a really just specialist organic ice cream. Maybe it's made by Alejandro. <laughs> yeah, it could be. He could make it himself. From the cows that they feed the T-Rexes, they, they milk them, make the ice cream, then they Use feed Use everything, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah I, I, yeah, I can get down with that. It, it's interesting. I've never really thought about, um, do you think they clone all the food? I mean, it would be remiss of them not to, right? It would be a bit of a if waste. If it's quite easy to, according to them, clone a dinosaur, you might as well just clone like a factory of yeah, cattle. Like how are they getting the cows over there? It's a flipping island in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, it's like they feed... In, in Jurassic World, in the, the when it started again, they feed the Mosasaurus like a great white, and I'm pretty sure that it mentioned somewhere that they are cloned great white sharks just for the purpose of feeding. It's like a hideous kind of <laughs> clone. It's, it's like the only the sheep was the beginning, and that's that's where we go if, if we go down that road, you know. It solved world hunger. I mean, he could, he could have solved world hunger, and instead he built a dinosaur park. Yeah, clone could... some watermelons or something. I don't know <laughs> what, what, what else can you eat. There's like beans. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's, just, it's a strange one. I never really thought about that until we're getting onto that. But yeah, the dairy cows, maybe maybe they clone the dairy cow. Maybe that's where the ice cream comes from. But there's not really much else to mention in that season. There's not much else we really want to mention. I just thought it's got ice cream in it. We haven't really mentioned. We mentioned milkshake on the podcast I before. I ate a bunch of ice cream the other day. I was in Did Cambridgeshire. You? Yeah, the video's not gone out yet. I, I was editing it before I came here. Right. But um, yeah, I ate a bunch of ice cream with donuts on it and pretzels. And Mikado sticks on the top. It was it was just that's pretty good. I, you I, like a good dessert, don't you? To be yeah, fair. but they didn't really think it. I mean, it was nice. It was good. They didn't really think it through. It had like forty 
either Pockies or Mikados in the top. I don't, you know, those kind of mm. um, long um, breadstick things with a bit of chocolate on them. Yeah. Anyway, that, I, yeah, that's that preview to, to my next <laughs> I'm gonna video. Say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and find out what happens. You're going to have to watch YouTube and find out what happened well, I mean, next. Na- naturally, I finished it, but you know. <laughs> I mean, it's a dessert. Like, I mean, yeah, it's it's just what you do, right? So. I, there's no point putting a transition in for this because it's a very, very short scene. I mean, we could talk about the scene that follows it, but there might not be any point. It's the uh, the infamous jelly wobble. Yeah, you know what concerns me about this, though, is I, let's set the scene a little bit. Yeah, go they're, on. They're kind of back in the... What is it? The, is it it's a, the visitor centre. Like yeah, cafe. but is it an actual restaurant? The, the area they're in, it, kind of, it looks a bit like a hotel buffet style. Thing. Yeah. It's like an open area. Mm-hmm. There's some kind of suspended artwork and stuff. And I've got, so, I've got facts about the mural, but right. I'll let you keep I, going. Well, I, don't, I don't want to take the glory. Of, the, the, the moment is she sees um, the, the silhouette, the shadow of a, a velociraptor behind... Tim, is it called Timmy? Yeah, Tim, yeah. Yeah, um, and that's what makes the jelly wobble. But before we actually get to that, what concerns me is the amount of gelatinous food on that <laughs> there table. There is a lot in there. I'm concerned there is a lot. about that if Jurassic Park actually had launched um, fully, <laughs> my concern would be the, the, the lack of fresh desserts, man. I mean, there's so much jello salad on the table. It's ridiculous. Everything's wobbling. It's weird. <laughs> It's an early warning system for if they do get in. Like every time, it's just like right, all of the food has to be gelatinous, otherwise we don't know if Ops approach it or not. Yeah, I didn't think about it like that. Safety mechanism. <laughs> Instead of alarms to to frighten people, just like watch your jelly just slightly <laughs> ripple. <laughs> but yeah, I've actually put here. I don't know. I mean, you probably have a better eye for this than I do. I tried, but like, it's like a trifle. There's a couple of trifles, like a gatto-y thing. Uh, know, like in, a blamange, maybe. Like. Exactly. Everything is wobbly. There's a bit of like, there's some chocolate cake. She's eating chocolate cake. Yes. yes. But I mean, that's probably Sarah Lee. You could freeze that and thaw it out. So I'm thinking Alejandro's specialty is probably, I mean, he's only one chef. They, they suggest that the there's only one dimension. chef on the island. So he's spent on, on the whole chili and sea bass. He's put all his energy into that. Everything else is just jelly with like fruit in it or blancmange. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned with Lexi's. She mentions that she's a vegetarian, like because when she sees one of the, or when the goat initially comes out, she says she's a vegetarian because um, Gennaro asks if they've never had lamb chops before. Yeah, she's like, no, I'm a vegetarian and a, a brother bullies her. On her plate, obviously to carry on that theme, everything is green, including she's got green jello, which is the thing, the indicator of the this fear. But she's got like broccoli, like some green beans. Like it's just a plate of like green vegetables and green jello. It's very weird. Sounds delicious. Also, there's gelatin in jelly, which is not vegetarian. No, oh, she, she messed up there. So me- I mean, she's like nine. So, yeah. you know, I, I give her a break, but she done messed up there. But yeah, I, I did think, I, did, I, I made a note of that. It's the only real significant thing. I, I do like, I think, again, just going to the, the scene aspect of it just captures the terror really well. She, she's got it on her face perfect for that. And the way that it then incites terror onto Tim, because they think this, they've only been there like a few minutes. Grant's gone to go find Ellie. They've literally just sat down. And as you probably would when you spent like 48 hours walking from one side of an island to another and dodging teeth at every corner, I, I'd dive into a chocolate cake or something like that. I mean, what, what on all of that, your go-to would have been like a cake, right? Surely, maybe? Or would you have gone for something to, to, to sustain you more? Yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. That's you emulating the level of terror on her face. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind a little bit of jelly. I'm not a huge fan of it. I probably would have gone with a chocolate cake. 
Yeah. If I've been blasting around, but I mean, there's not Put much sugar. There's Put sugar in you. Yeah, yeah. There's not much protein around on Jurassic Park Island, <laughs> no, is there? Unless you are the protein. Unless you are, yeah, you, unless you are the protein. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's it's interesting you not know, seeing because I'm thinking Timmy's only recently been electrocuted. <laughs> <laughs> not sure it's a great idea for him to be bashing like an entire chocolate cake, you know. It might have some kind of intellectual. In it might have some kind of electrical interference with his his heart. Yeah, or cause that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. In hindsight, not a great idea. But he's a kid, isn't he? and he's like what seven. You should <laughs> jump, man. Should, whenever I watch that movie, I'm just like, just jump off the flipping <laughs> fence. Like go, he'll catch you. <laughs> you notice how far he flies back from the fence too? Yeah. I think he'd just like, otherwise he would have died. I think he must have just let go as he got zapped. Otherwise I feel like he would have probably. What would have happened in reality is, is his fist would have clenched and he would have been stuck on the fence. Like, yeah. Argh. Yeah. And end of film. <laughs> end scene. Yeah. I, I will round this out though. That mural, I always really, really liked that mural. Like I just thought it was a really good piece of artwork. Did you know that it's based on Yale Peabody's Museum of Natural History and they have The Age of Reptiles by Rudolf F. Zellinger? <laughs> yeah, I totally knew that. I know you did. I can't know believe that. you know that as well. Yeah, well, I, I actually did know that. I knew this before research. I had to remember what the name of it was, but I knew that it was in Yale's Natural History Museum. And basically, it's based on that. But that, that original mural is like what people thought dinosaurs looked like in like the. I don't know. I'd, I want to say like 30s, like the 1930s. So all of them are like very upright and very lizard-like. And uh, I think it's like for historical, you know, like to remember how people once fought compared to like how the studies have gone now. It's quite an important mural. Like I think they've they've renovated it and re redone it recently because it needed a bit of TLC. But yeah, if you're ever ever near Yale Museum of Natural History, if you go in there, you can be like, yep, yeah, the film fellow told me, The Age of Reptiles by Rudolf F. Zellinger. Yeah, yeah. I've, got, I've just got t um, Scrubs, no Scrubs by uh, TLC in my head now. <laughs> and with that, that, should we move on to the yeah. outro? Let's. And yeah, that's the end of episode four. Done and dusted in the bag. How yes. do you feel? I feel I feel like you got far too excited about the dinosaurs and um, the the general research behind it, but. Um, yeah, it was it was good to talk about food, which isn't you know just burgers. Like you said, we we talked about chili and sea bass and the uh, the effect that this film had <laughs> yeah. on um yeah its survival as a species, which was interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, going into this, I didn't know that either. I I always wanted to. I think I'd watched, like I mentioned before, we are both fans of the Binging with Babish YouTube channel, so I have watched that video of him recreating it. But I must have skipped past the bit where he he even mentions that this fish is like quite hard to get hold of now and he had to go through a ethically sourced fisherman to be able to get it and I'll always carry on. See, that's the dedication it takes to be a, what does he have, like 8 million subs or something? Yeah, 8 million subs. You've got that to go. Yeah, you're nearly there though. I would have just been down Costco and picked <laughs> up a bunch of, I don't know, flipping cod or... Some halibut or something like that. Halibut, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we've. I think we've learned some things on this one. I, uh, yeah, this, this is... My favorite film of all time. So if I did get a little bit sidetracked by by naming dinosaurs, a little bit, you could to, say that. Try to try to prove that big brain energy that I, I know I have from when I was like three years old. I think I'm gonna. I'll get <laughs> a similar level of excitement when we do Green Book, though, because I love that film. Yeah, and I. I mean, I still have yet to watch it, so mine will be a fresh take when we do that, whereas yours will be uh, pure excitement of the. It's, it's like a road trip, right? Is that correct? We'll save it for <laughs> next time, though. He's dumbing it down a little bit, yeah. But uh, do we know what we're doing next week? I feel like we should give teasers. No. What do you want to do? 
I don't know. I think we should just give people this little is teasers. Well, I mean, you kind of you kind of just throw on Green Book in there. Maybe. No, maybe, no, that's maybe. a Christmas one. I told you we have to. That's that's technically a Christmas like, film. We, it sounds like we've got like a month of Christmas films at this rate, based on what you said last week. Just so. two, man. Just Green. Well, I mean, it's not really a Christmas movie, but it ends at Christmas, so it kind of is. Maybe we could leave a vote. I don't know if we'd have enough time. What if we told people about two different ideas? And got well, uh, we won't come to Green Book just yet. We'll do another one next week, which I'm a little bit less partial to what about some like an oldie but goldie what about like even matilda or the original charlie and the chocolate factory yeah i suppose we could do either of those yeah <laughs> <laughs> you put up a vote on twitter we'll put, 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 we'll put up a, a poll slash a vote on twitter and instagram and wherever else that i can stick it in all seven people that follow our twitter account can get involved like, i'll vote you vote and then, I don't know, <laughs> 50 50 and then we'll have an argument about it later yeah but that being said, you can find us if you, I mean, you should be listening to us, but if you want to tell your friends, we're available on all podcast providers. For some reason, Apple Podcasts, we are on there, but it doesn't go up on the Friday. There is some sort of weird delay. I've been on at them. I've been on to um, Mr. Apple, whoever whoever's in charge of Apple right now. It's not Steve Jobs. It's not, it's not Steve Jobs. Um, uh, they were less than helpful. They just said that it takes time, which doesn't help us. But yeah, if you want to listen to it on there, you're going to have to wait, unfortunately. Or just go on Spotify or something like that and find us on there. We're on there. Wait, do we have the Spotify exclusive deal yet? We're, no? we're one step close to a Spotify ah, exclusive ah, deal. We just need to keep going. Eventually, we will get a Spotify exclusive deal. Uh, I've, I've said it now, so it's got to happen, hasn't it? You know. Um, make sure that you give us a subscribe. If you're on Spotify, you can follow us. Um, you know, Hit the plus symbol if you are on Apple Podcasts and you eventually get episode three and four at some stage in your life. Um, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, whether you listen to it on there or not. That will help us. A good review. A we good review, yeah. We've had one bad a... review, but I, it doesn't like, actually, there's no, there's no context to it. We've just... What does it say? I need to know what it says. No, we don't know what it says. It's just a one-star review by someone. <laughs> we've Probably got a load mom. of five-star review. We've got, we were a healthy 4.6 out of five, but that one star has dragged us down. Oh, man, one um, star. So some, someone clearly doesn't <laughs> like us and doesn't want to tell us. I mean, own up, you know, come tweet us. Tell us what your beef is. <laughs> I'll send Adam round. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to review us on there, you can do that. I'll help us get in front of more people who have never heard of, well, they definitely haven't heard of me, but they might have never heard of Beard, which is a shock. Um, if you want to find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, you can do at Movie Mouthfuls. It's all the same. If you want to find myself, I'm over on Twitter at the film fella underscore, and you can also find me on YouTube. Um, you know, just search for the film fella. I do film and TV reviews. Um, I haven't done any for a while. Obviously, I will eventually go back to doing that. That's why I keep mentioning it, and Beard keeps scolding me for not doing it. So one day <laughs> I will return. Uh, Beard never wants to say where he is, but you're everywhere, right? Uh, yeah, like um, the Matrix. Omnipresent on the internet. Just search for beard, beard meets food, or man with beard pushes food into orifice, or, or you some, can something that, to that search extent. Search on Pornhub. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be really awkward if someone one day comes back and goes, "Oh yeah, I searched for it." And you actually are on there, but it's not like it's just someone's uploaded one of your videos. That would be disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> man goes down on hot dog or something. <laughs> like that. Go, we're getting a bit graphic on this podcast. Know, as it goes it. On. Um, if you fancy sending us any questions or you've got anything that you want to say, you can tweet us. That would probably be the, the best option or you can try and slide into us DMs. But if you want to be a bit more formal, then you can email us at moviemouthfuls at gmail.com. I've yet to have a, a lovely email drop in and tell us what we should watch or why you don't like us or, you know, it's your sponsorship deals. Someone must be listening who wants to sponsor us. So slide I on in. I can't imagine why. But maybe they did <laughs> until they heard you list every single 
species of dinosaur ever recorded. Maybe, maybe we'll get some funding from some paleontological society or something like that. Who knows? Who, Who knows? knows? Uh, if you want to support us... Don't do the Patreon push. <laughs> do the Patreon push. <laughs> Patreon.com slash MovieMouthfuls if you wish to do so. Obviously, times are hard, so if you don't, you don't have to. We're fine. We're, we're perfectly fine. But if you want to support us, we'll put every single one of your pennies back into the podcast and we'll try and do some sort of nice things for the people that do do that. What kind of nice things? I don't know. I don't know what you're trying to imply. Well, I'm, I'm worried about what you're signing me up for. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. A shout out maybe to begin with. Um, well, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll have his own chat service where you can message and we'll, we'll answer some questions on, a, on an episode or something like oh, that. Are we on Cameo yet? I mean, I'm on Cameo. Are you on are you Cameo? On Cameo? Well, I don't think I'm quite big enough for Cameo. Mine would be like 5p or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine's minimum price because I'm, I'm, I'm an idealist like John Hammond. There you go. There you go. He just wants to bring smiles to everyone, don't you? Wish Indeed. everyone a happy birthday. Indeed. In yeah. the most half-assed tone possible. <laughs> no, I do it pretty. I put a good, a good amount of energy in. Oh, wow. There you go. So there you go. You don't want to push our Patreon, but it'll push his own. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as always, big thanks to Lee. Hopefully, at the time of listening to this, we will have entered the My Roadcast competition that we've recorded for. Um, again, I messaged Lee uh, at the, the 11th hour to get some music for that. So if that all goes well, thanks again, mate. I'm sorry. I will leave you alone at some point. And uh, yeah, we'll be back very soon. But until then, remember that life always finds a way. Indeed. Peace. I thought you were going to do like a dinosaur noise or something. <laughs> That was like a chicken, which is a dinosaur, right? Yeah, it's the closest living relative to a T-Rex. There we Always go. Thinking. And in a bit, guys. Hi, I'm Dietrich. I'm Alex. And I'm Ben. We're from the podcast That Song From That Movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. We want you to join us on our voyage across the cinematic sound waves as we take a deep dive on a new song and movie each week to figure out just what makes them tick. Already we've set sail with Celine Dion on the Titanic, found a friend in Toy Story, and gotten drenched out in the rain with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Hopefully each breakdown allows us to answer the ultimate question of what's better, the movie or the song. Or at least learn something new along the way. Just like learning that Toy Story 4 is a meaningless cash grab without a soul. You can subscribe right now on all good podcast platforms. If you use one of the bad ones, then that's on you, and we can't be held responsible. Subscribe to That Song from That Movie.